0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised.
1: On this week's Court TV podcast, doomsday couple Lori Vallow Daybell and Chad Daybell were back in court last week attempting to have the prosecutor in charge of their case removed due to a secretly recorded conversation. Court TV's Chanley Painter has all of the details about what the recording reveals, including the revelation that Lori Vallow considered cooperating with police. Should she get a plea bargain? Should she get a deal? Friend of the podcast, Monica Lindstrom, thinks so, and will tell us why.
0: This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinny Politan.
1: Welcome to the court TV podcast. I'm Vinnie Politan. Thanks so much for joining us today. And Oh, wow. This podcast is going to be kind of special because we're we're talking about one of the most intriguing cases that I've ever covered in my career. The so-called doomsday couple, Lori Vallow Daybell and her husband, Chad accused for what happened to Lori's two children who were found dead and buried in Chad's backyard. No one's been charged with murder yet. But this is an evolving case, and today we are going to listen to secret recordings made of the prosecutor while he was speaking to a potential witness who happens to be the sister of Lori Vallow Daybell, okay? The the woman who's at the, the center of all of this. Her sister is speaking with the prosecutor and being secretly recorded. And as a result of what the prosecutor says, the defense attorneys for both Lori and Chad wanted to get the prosecutor booted off the case. Okay, that's one of the issues. To me, what's more fascinating is what we hear in those recordings and what we learn in those recordings, because the prosecutor did not think any of us, especially us here at Court TV, would be listening to this but it's now part of the court record. So, let's bring in Court TV legal correspondent Chanley Painter who's been covering the story for over a year now. Happy anniversary. And this is this is absolutely so revealing in a case where we haven't heard a lot from the prosecution, Chanley. So, first explain to all of us how it is that the prosecutor was secre- secretly recorded and why he was speaking with the defendant's sister.
2: Vinny. this is huge. What a recording. You know how we always say that, I wish I was a fly on the wall? That's what we have here with a prosecutor. I almost felt uncomfortable listening, like I'm listening to off-record information, but no, this is the recording. Uh, It's in October, October 2020, October 1st. Now the prosecutor, Rob Wood, flew to Arizona to meet with Lori's sister, Summer Shiflet, It's part of the investigation into the deaths of Tylee and JJ, Lori's children. And Garrett Smith, the attorney representing Summer Shiflet at the time, hit record on his cell phone and were able to get an inside glimpse into the thoughts of the prosecutor when he's speaking to someone really important, the defendant's sister. And what we learn is pretty explosive, in my opinion.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and let's, let's start here, because every time we cover this story, every time I have to say, no one's been charged with murder. No one's been charged with murder. There are no murder charges yet. And then we scratch our heads and say, why not? What What's going on here? Well, take a listen to the prosecutor talking about that issue on this secret recording.
3: Um, I'm just going to tell you right now, we we are going to be filing conspiracy to commit murder charges. It is full chat and Lori. Um, and we're not <clears throat> shy about that. I've told their attorneys. His attorney keeps pretending like I've never said that. Whatever. <laughs> What? Um, but we are, we have to. Yeah.
1: We have to. Okay, so there it is. That's the prosecutor telling Lori Vallow's sister that, yeah, they're going to file conspiracy to commit murder charges against Lori and Chad, the doomsday couple. It's happening, it will happen. Um, so here's the first question, Chanley. He said that he told the attorneys for both of them that that's what was going to happen. Do do you think he's posturing here in, in in talking to this witness? Or do you think this is the truth that yeah, they are gonna file him and they've told the attorneys for for both defendants that, yeah, we're gonna file murder charges.
2: Oh, I think it's the truth, absolute truth. They want murder charges against Lori and Chad for the deaths of Tylee and JJ. I don't I don't think that's a secret. He even says, I we're not shy about it. We've told people that's been the goal. Even later in the recording, he tells Summer, you know, we we spoke to them on what we could, and we're still investigating the case. We're still trying to build these murder charges against Chad and Lori. And he even goes on to tell Summer, Vinny, that the case against her sister Lori is stronger than what they have against Chad at Dayville.
1: Wow. that That's fascinating as well. And, and to me, she's the closest to her children. She's the parent. She's in charge. Um, you know, nothing—nothing nothing happens to a, a a mom or dad's children in a situation like this without mom and dad cooperating somewhat. It, it'd be very easy to protect them from whatever danger was out there, very easy. But it didn't happen in this case. So, any indication from any of this on a timeline? Because we have a trial coming up this summer, right? We've got we've got a trial for Lori Bell and Chad Daybell. On charges that are related to what happened to the children, but not the murder charges.
2: Yeah, there's no indication of when these charges could come down. And it's also important to note that in Arizona, where this interview took place, that the department there is also looking into conspiracy to commit murder for Lori against her husband, Charles Vallow. That's separate, but the prosecutor from Idaho is in Arizona about Lori with Summer Shiplet. And that's the whole premise of the defense saying this was misconduct because the prosecutor is telling Lori's sister that, hey, she could face murder charges. That's a penalty possible, punishable by death in the state of Idaho. And we need almost like your help in Lori coming to us and cooperating because like you said, where are the murder charges? They need more evidence. They need something to put them over the edge so that they can file them and that is what the defense said was this prosecutor trying to manipulate a witness into helping them out
1: and it's unusual because usually it's the investigators who are manipulating and lying to witnesses not necessarily the prosecutor jumping into it that that only happens i thought on episodes of law and order (laughs) right you know where the prosecutor goes and talks to the witness and 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 engages in those shenanigans. When I was a prosecutor, the investigators did everything, you know? And if I ever spoke to a witness, uh, it would be sitting next to an investigator, and the investigator would be taking the notes, et cetera. But let's, I think one of the problems that they have here with the murder case, I think is also revealed in these recordings. So take a listen, folks, and listen right at the end when, when the prosecutor starts talking about Tylee and what they know about how she died. Remember, her remains were put in the pet cemetery in Lori's new husband, Chad, her new husband and co-defendant, in his backyard. Take a listen.
2: I was wondering if you would be willing to tell me, if you're able to tell me, if there's any progress in what you know about Tylee and her death. Is, Is there any progress in her autopsy where you understand better?
3: All I can tell, well...
2: I mean, do you have a cause yet, or
3: is it close to one? She is at the FBI's state-of-the-art um, crime lab. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of deceased bodies there that they're they're going through. Sure, yeah. um, and so we're not, uh, we don't know really anymore yet. Um, and we may
1: never know. We may never know. That's... That's always a problem. It's not insurmountable of a problem, but it's always a problem in a murder case if you don't know how someone died. Um, but she died and her brother died, so I don't think it's suicide or natural causes for these two young children. Somebody did something. I mean, to me, it's obvious. I think it would be obvious to a jury, but this could be part of the holdup, Chandley.
2: Absolutely, and to me, that's the most heartbreaking part of this recording, is hearing about Tylee Ryan's remains. We already knew that she was you know, found in the backyard. Her remains had been dismembered and burned and charred, found in the pet cemetery. And her this is her aunt, this is Tylee's aunt asking about her remains. How did she die? What is the cause of death? What do we know? And the prosecutor having to tell her, we may never know. And that's heartbreaking to listen to. You can hear the concern in Summer's voice uh, when she's talking about that and she goes on to say, okay, well then what's next? What do we know? And and really, you know, like you said, obviously she didn't get there on her own. This is a murder. She was killed by somebody, and that's what the prosecution is trying to figure out.
1: And the charges that we're talking about are not straight murder. They're a conspiracy to commit murder. So a conspiracy takes, you know, some what we call in the legal world actors. And I'm not talking about actors like Hollywood, but people who are taking action. And in, in this case it would be Lori and Chad, but to me, most importantly, is her dead brother, Alex. Yes. Who, who we know for a fact killed her husband, Charles, right? Right. Literally shot him and killed him. But he's dead also. He, he died on the toilet.
2: He did, uh, December 12th, uh, 2019. He suddenly passed away. Autopsy results were of natural causes, blood clots to his lungs. It was, it was a torturous way to pass away. But that was also suspicious. People still believe that something was up with Alex Cox passing.
1: Well, he, he died on the day, wasn't it the day that they announced they were going to yeah. exhume Chad Daybell's wife? Oh, yeah, there's another dead body, folks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're trying to keep count here. But Chad Daybell's wife, Tammy, died of natural causes suddenly. But then they exhumed her body. They exhumed her body. And then Alex Cox, the one who killed her husband, ends up dead yes. on the toilet.
2: Literally the next day, literally the next day after Tammy Daybell's body is exhumed from the ground for autopsy, she passes under suspicious circumstances, which, by the way, we don't know those results yet of how Tammy Daybell died. The prosecution not releasing that publicly. But yes, the very next day, Alex Cox is dead, and he's named in the complaint against Lori and Chad as the third co-conspirator involved in this whole case. All right.
1: All right. Wow, that's a lot, folks, and and we're just getting started here on the podcast. Chanley Painter, Court TV legal correspondent, uh, on top of all the latest developments, um, sometimes before they even develop. So, uh, appreciate your work, Chanley. Thanks so much. Thanks, Minnie. All right, something that Chanley said um, really surprised me, and that was the prosecutor sort of indicating that, hey, maybe Lori could get a deal. And I'm like, what? The mother of the children gets a deal. The one who the children rely upon for everything. She's the one who gets the deal. Come on. I can't believe it, but we're going to play for you the secret recording. And then we're going to bring in friend of the podcast, Monica Lindstrom, who thinks that sure, maybe Lori, if you have to choose between the two, it gets, gets the deal to, to close up this case and to fill in the gaps. And I'm scratching my head. There's no way that Prosecutor Vinnie Politan gives that woman anything. We'll be right back.
0: For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice.
3: Your sister's actually made some overtures. She might be willing to talk to us. Um,
2: I hope she does. I pray for that all the time. We hope
3: she does. Um, She actually was talking about, with Chad, about talking to us before we found the bodies, just a few days before, and he talked her out of it,
2: Mm.
3: which is too bad. Uh, it would have been better for her to tell. Yes, yeah, sure. It would have been. I, I mean, it, we were actually <clears throat> just finishing up our warrant on the day that she said that. We were just getting ready to go out of there, but it would have been, you know, that would have been even better. And he talked her out of it. Yeah. And then the night before, she says to him again, like, "Hey, what do you think about, you know?" And, and he uses this kind of—I call it—spiritual abuse, spiritual manipulation. Yeah. You know, you—we've all seen that guy in the LDS religion who's. Wife has to obey him because he has the priesthood type thing. That's not what he says, but it's very, it's the same type of thing. (laughs) Well, I'm the visionary guy, so,
1: you know. All right, that's part of the secret recordings of the prosecutor in the Doomsday Couple case as he was speaking with Lori Vallow Daybell's sister. And what absolutely floored me is that this prosecutor seemed to be very open to the idea of speaking with Lori Vallow And, of course, speaking to her means cutting her some sort of a deal so he could close out the case, the murder case, against her and her husband, Chad Daybell. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. Because they are her children. And this is is kind of systematic, and it really bothers me, that when I cover cases at court TV, and the victim is a child and the defendant is a parent, and, and there's talk of the death penalty. I get all these people say, oh, no, 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 no death penalty. No, that's overcharging. And then if it's some stranger who abducts a child and kills the child, they're all for the death penalty. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How is it a mitigating factor that a parent in the position of trust breaks the trust that a child has? I mean, a child is born to love their parent, trust their parent, and rely upon their parent. And some some warped way in our system of justice, we give parents, we cut them some slack when they kill their own children instead of someone else's. What? I think it's an aggravating factor. It gets me aggravated. All right. I need to get in a better mood. Let's bring in Monica Lindstrom. She's a former prosecutor. She is a mediator. She's a judge. She's a a radio host on KTAR in Arizona. She's on TV out there all the time. But, of course, she's also a regular A-lister on my show on Court TV. Hello, Monica.
4: Hello, Vinny.
1: Um, Am I rightfully aggravated here?
4: Well, everything about this case is extremely aggravating, from Satan, otherwise known as the mom, to Satan's husband, otherwise known as, well, Chad Daybell. So everything is aggravating about this. and. I think the the most aggravating thing is that the prosecutors still have not filed any murder charges like you've been talking about. And for regular people out there and for people listening to this podcast, they're thinking, why the heck hasn't this happened yet? And I think that's the most aggravating thing that we're dealing with. But that interview with the prosecutor really gives a lot of insight as to where this case is going and what strategy the state is using going forward.
1: So I, I disagree with, uh, you know, reaching out or approaching a deal with Lori Vallow Bell and, and this is I know this is a choice between two really bad people, right? Or allegedly yes. allegedly bad people. But I think she's well, I think she's a bad person.
4: Satan, yeah, Say Satan. That's who they are. <laughs>
1: And, and, and I agree because this mother was in charge of these children, the children go missing, she doesn't care and she takes off to Hawaii. So we've got all of that even before you get to the the criminal case where she's presumed innocent and he's presumed mm-hmm. innocent. But mm-hmm. I would not even I wouldn't even want to talk to her. She's the mother. To me she's the big fish in this whole thing. Uh, and, and she's the one that's that's got to pay the price. We can't send the message. Uh, out there that somehow the parent of the dead children gets the deal
4: and I think that's an excellent point that you make because we shouldn't be punishing them any less or any more than what a stranger when a stranger kills a kiddo so I agree with you on that let's think of it from the prosecutor's perspective and why they need to talk to Lori okay they've got Well, I should say, we don't have a very strong case right now for murder and they know it because if they did, they would have charged him by now. So the prosecutor needs to figure out how the heck can we get more evidence or more information to make a murder charge stick because that's really what we have here and what needs to happen. The prosecutor has to start looking at the witnesses and evidence that they have to find out or to figure out who's more credible, who's more believable. And when you listen to this prosecutor, Although he says that Lori is both the manipulator and being manipulated, you get his thought process that she comes across as a little bit more believable in the sense that she thinks she's doing God's work. She thinks she's doing she's being righteous, right? And that she has that strange reality in her head that she's doing something right. So if that were to come across to the jury, they might lose the conviction against her for murder. So they're thinking, okay, let's get her to talk. Let's get her to flip on Chad so that we can stick this murder charge against him. That could be where they're going with that.
1: All right, let's listen, because you make some great points. I'm not agreeing, but you make great points, Monica. I'm not. You know I'm not going to agree. <laughs> um, here is the prosecutor talking to Vallow's sister about Chad the manipulator.
2: I've talked to him maybe three times briefly on the phone, never a long extended conversation. But the first thing he said to me when he called me was that, um, he said, Lori hasn't told me very much about the kids, so there's not really much I can tell you about it.
3: Okay, right. Of course you said that. <laughs> um, well welcome to chat table mm-hmm. um so what i want to kind I of, have of the,
2: you, i have my own opinions formed
3: of is, i bet you do yeah he is he's highly manipulative yeah i see that um i'm not going to say he's highly intelligent but you don't have to be highly intelligent to be highly manipulative
0: absolutely
3: he is extremely manipulative and uh um and, and your sister manipulated him in some ways too but the uh The context for everything that
1: happened came from Chad. So it it almost seems that the prosecutor's playing a but-for test on us here, Monica, that but-for Chad, these these children would still be alive. That Chad was the one who got the whole doomsday thing rolling here, which led to the death of these children.
4: See, I I didn't get that from that conversation. Um, I got from the conversation that they're both really guilty, but it's who who can really get hung up for this? Uh, Vinny, let me ask you this: What is a prosecutor's job?
1: Justice, the truth.
4: That's right. That's right. Act in the interests of justice. Make sure justice always wins out. You Not- see, you
1: could tell that she has her own show because she like she's on my podcast and she turns it around, and starts questioning me. <laughs> I was going to object, but there's, but you're the judge too. So I can't object That's because right. I'm going to lose the ruling
4: overruled, buddy. <laughs> exactly. So, um, It's not about fame. It's not about ego, or at least it's not supposed to be. So the prosecutor should be sitting there going, what is the best interest of justice? What can we do here? And if you get Lori to enter into a plea agreement, you at least have a for sure conviction a for sure conviction and someone's going to prison for that, which would be her. If you leave it up to the jury and don't offer any deals here, you could have that rogue, crazy juror that goes, oh, I feel so bad for Lori or, oh, she's hot. You know, I'm not going to convict her, you know, the way some people thought about.
1: Listen, it, it's 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 no longer 2004. It's not the Mrs. Texas competition anymore for Lori Vallo. I think you that's- don't
4: know that. Have you seen the ages of the jurors?
1: Yeah, I guess if you yeah. get a, if you get an older jury, because uh-huh. that I think uh-huh. that ship has sailed, especially after a year uh, in in behind bars. But we'll you see. You know
4: what? Some guys like the bad girls, Vinny.
1: Yeah, haven't seen her. She's been wearing a mask every time, so we don't know uh, how she's holding up right now. <laughs> Although, for some reason, she started dyeing uh, the roots of her blonde hair dark. Why would you do that?
4: Okay, are we seriously talking about dyeing her hair right now?
1: Yeah, well, she, she was blonde, but but since she's been in prison, it looks like she's dyeing the roots of her hair darker.
4: Well, she might not be dyeing. That just might be her regular color. I yeah. know.
1: I'm being sarcastic, Your Honor. I okay. hope so. I so hope so. I, let's get to this now, because... You mentioned this, that the, the prosecutor talking about the righteousness of the thoughts of Lori Vallow. Let's listen to that part of the secret recording.
3: The other thing I'm going to tell you is your sister truly believes that everything she's done has been done in righteousness. I know. And I know I'm kind of using LDS speak
2: there. It's 100%. That's my that's, interpretation also. Yeah. I think she 100%. She is. believes it. Mm-hmm. Um Every once in a while, you'll see kind of a little crack in,
3: like, a jail phone call. Um, But, uh,
2: or she'll... Well, you've heard our conversation, so you know that. I I get that she's not fully aware of what she's really done. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I don't think she
3: is. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say this, but I think she knows what she's done.
2: She knew enough to lie to us about it.
3: Yeah, but she, the context under which it was done was this... Religious, I mean, just these ideas that are out there. Um, I can say this because I am LDS, like no basis in the LDS faith.
1: As I listen to this, I'm a little confused here. If the prosecutor believes that she was acting and she thought she was doing everything for righteous reasons... To me, that's almost like she doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. That there is, there is, there is a potential legal insanity defense that I, I killed my children or I conspired to kill my children because I was going to save them. I mean, that's the only time I've ever seen that defense used successfully in front of a jury, which was a case in Texas. A woman um, bashes her children's heads with rocks, Kills all of them except the youngest one. The youngest one somehow um, survives, but is, is, is special needs. And the jury found her not guilty by reason of insanity because she thought she was saving her children. So, as I listen to what the prosecutor's talking about there, Monica, I'm a little scared that that is like setting the table for a successful um, uh, insanity defense here to all of this.
4: Uh, You know, that's a really great point because he is saying that with the defense attorney in the room. So it's almost as if he's giving him an idea. And and that is scary. But I want you to back up. And I know it's hard for you to think about this because you've only been a prosecutor, right? You haven't seen both sides.
1: Uh, I've never visited the dark side. No. Yeah, 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 yeah,
4: yeah. Those of us that have been on the dark side become better all around. I'm just saying. But anyway, seriously, think about all the resources that have to be used for a trial. And if we're going to have the trial of these two together, they can point the fingers at each other and then you could end up with no conviction at all. So the prosecutor has to try to get on Lori's good side and her attorney's good side, so to speak, to go ahead and get that 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 plea agreement, that agreement, because they need somebody to tell the, maybe not the truth, but some hardcore evidence against the other person. So if they lock her into that plea agreement, she can throw Chad under the bus. We can get a conviction. We have some certainty about what's going on. She goes to jail for a long time. Nobody has to hopefully testify that much because she's the linchpin, right? And the nail in the coffin. And then, Everybody, you know, is is a win win, so to speak, and a tragedy.
1: I, I get that. And I understand a prosecutor. Wait a minute. Wait a
4: minute. Say that again. What?
1: I get that. a so prosecutor's Monica, right.
4: Huh? Monica, right. I did not say that.
1: I didn't say that. <laughs> so there's a prosecutor's need for for some level of certainty, which I understand. But this story, you tell the whole story and I've told this story. It takes a while, but I've told this story to many people. And all of them understand. They can put two and two together. I don't think you need to cut a deal with either one of them. If you had to pick one, I would pick Chad. But I don't think it's needed. I think you put them in there. This story is so horrific. And and everything points in one direction, one direction only. And to me, as crazy as it is, when you tell the story completely, you do understand what happened and why it but, happened.
4: But... There's not that direct link as to how the children actually died and who actually killed them. And when it comes to reasonable doubt and a rogue jury and someone that might not understand the way that you think or the way the prosecutor thinks or the way I think, right? Normal, in other words, might just say, "Sorry, you didn't connect the dots," and then they walk free.
1: That's All a right. problem. We shall see. We shall see. I trust. I trust the the folks in Idaho. You know, I, I think
4: really? you mean the ones that still haven't filed murder charges yet?
1: I'm talking about the jurors, Monica. Oh, okay. I'm talking all about right. the jurors. And I, and I trust that you tell them the story, they will understand it. And there's incredible evidence in all this. But we shall see. We'll continue to follow it. Monica Lindstrom, uh, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much.
4: Thanks, Vinny. All
1: right. When we come back, there was one other thing that was revealed in that recording. And. it's it's awkward but it also could be a sign of danger for the prosecutor in the way he is approaching this case i will play it for you and i'll explain why that is next
0: Follow Court TV live over the air uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV and go to courttv.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. Our goal is
3: uh, sometimes you get a murder and all you have is that murder and you just have to run out and charge it and, and then kind of put, put it together. Um, we were, we were able to put them in jail with a high bell and these lower charges and put together a case. And our goal is to have such a strong case that when she has competent counsel, I don't know if you know this, her attorney's never handled a felony before. Mm. Um, he has never, never done any meaningful criminal work at all. And he doesn't know what he's doing. He's a nice guy.
2: Yeah, I don't know. he's
3: lying about me, but he, uh, <laughs> but he's he doesn't know what he's doing. And when, once we file further charges, she will be appointed counsel who will know what they're doing. And our goal is to uh, put together such a case that they're smart enough to say oh, it's going to be better to talk.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know? and I think we are.
1: Unbelievable! What you just heard. That is the prosecutor in the doomsday couple case talking about the attorney for Lori Vallow Daybell, Mark Means. And basically, he's saying this guy doesn't know what he's doing. You know, he's a nice, nice enough guy, but he's totally inexperienced and, and not ready for prime time. Wow. Th- this is dangerous, folks. This is dangerous on two different levels. The first one. I'd have to do a sports analogy, and my apologies for those of you who don't follow sports, but it's been a big part of my life. This is what you call bulletin board material, right? You say something that um, really criticizes your opponent, and the public learns about it, and you learn about it. And perhaps it was something that you said either publicly that you wanted everyone to hear, or more importantly, something that you didn't want everyone to hear. But these are your true thoughts. So here you have a prosecutor that does not respect the defense attorney. Mark Means is, a, is a, I mean, he went to law school. He's a member of the bar. He's practicing law. Um, you know, he, he's not sending a man to the moon, right? He, he's not performing brain surgery. And I don't want to diminish uh, what I do as a lawyer, but we all kind of get it, right? The fact that you haven't actually done a murder trial yet, isn't necessarily a prohibition from you doing it or being able to be successful at it. But what this really does is motivates Mark Means. I mean, if you didn't need enough motivation as the attorney in one of the highest profile cases in the nation that will be seen by millions and millions of Americans when it goes to trial, if that's not enough motivation, Now you've got a prosecutor who's basically telling a potential witness and now telling the world that you don't know what you're doing. Well, to me, if you believe in karma, it's bad, number one. But number two, it really over-motivates your opposition, okay? So he's going to work even harder than he has been working, and he has been working hard at this case. The second part of this I think is more important, and this isn't, you know— the first big case I've covered. And I, you know, I hate to mention this case. I don't like saying the words, but I have to, especially when it's relevant because it's, it's a, I think it's a common um, point of reference that I have with people who've been uh, following me and people have been listening to me and people have been following true crime and, and trials on court TV. And I'm talking about Casey Anthony, her attorney, was Jose Baez? Before the Casey Anthony case, he hadn't tried any murder cases. He had not been on the on the stage in the spotlight. He had never tried a a, a case close um, to that trial. But we know how it turned out. And and the real problem here, and the real danger for the prosecutor, is to underestimate your opponent. Because at the end of the day, the folks in the jury box, they don't care. They don't care how much experience you have as a prosecutor or how little experience the defense attorney has. They don't care that you may not have mastered the rules of evidence because we saw that in the Casey Anthony trial. Jose Baez did not master the rules of evidence at that point of his career, but what he did master was Connecting and communicating with the jury, which at the end of the day is the most important thing. So I don't know if the special prosecutor here, Rob Wood, is underestimating Mark Means, but don't do it because the jury doesn't care about any of that. And what will matter is if you're in that courtroom exhibiting any level of arrogance towards your opposition, and that I haven't seen Rob Wood do that in the courtroom. But it could happen if you have that overconfidence and then you're in the middle of a trial and, you're, and your opponent doesn't understand something that's happening during the course of the trial and you're kind of like chuckling and you can't believe it. That can come back and bite you. So I'm just, I'm just throwing out a blanket warning to the potential danger. The good news is I haven't seen any of this manifest itself inside a courtroom or during any of the hearings in the case. I don't think Rob Wood is that guy who is going to go in overconfident or go in arrogant or, or, or present himself to the jury as, as someone who is superior to the defense attorneys in a way that would turn them off. So I think he can escape that danger, but it's still there now that we have heard his true feelings about Mark Means revealed in that secret recording. And I still can't believe we're talking about a secret recording, right? This is like a podcaster's dream that this gets revealed. But in the end, it was really a prosecutor's nightmare uh, because he almost got booted off the case but did not get booted off the case. He'll continue as the prosecutor. Uh, But things have come out that he did not necessarily want to come out. And he's got to be very careful now. From this point forward, uh, Rob Wood has to be very careful as the prosecutor, first in the way he treats Mark Means because of what he has said, and also in, in, in the way he handles the case and witnesses. Because going forward, the big issue now is, well, what did he say to the other witnesses out there? And will there be a way to question the witnesses in front of the jury where you're making the prosecutor look like he's not on the up and up? And that was the true danger of what was uncovered uh, during this hearing and in the secret recording. But I think Rob Wood gets it. He understands. He's smart. and, And he knows the evidence and the facts of this case better than anyone. And it's important that he's the one that tries it at this point because for another prosecutor to try to jump in at this point, that that would be tough. And I think that's the real reason why the defense tried to get him booted in the first place is they want to bring someone else in because no one else is going to be able to master the evidence and the law and this case like the prosecutor has. doesn't guarantee a conviction but gives prosecutors the best chance at a conviction. Anyhow, folks, we're going to continue to cover this story, obviously, all through 2021. We've got a trial scheduled for the summer already. We've got a lot of things in store. Uh, But to really watch the trial, you have to watch it on Court TV. And Court TV is more than a podcast. We are a television network that is showing you the biggest and most important trials uh, that are happening in our nation. And if you have a digital antenna, You likely have us, so if you haven't seen us on that antenna, please rescan, so you can find Court TV. In the meantime, for more information about this case and this trial, which is very complicated, go to our show notes. (sighs) I'm out of breath. I think I'm in a better mood now. I think I'm in a better mood now. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening. Uh, We will talk again uh, next week. Have a great week, and as always, don't forget
0: to hug the kids.